the language of the universe. But I don't understand it. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Math and Physics Podcast. I'm your host, Parker. And I'm Ray, and we welcome you to episode 35, where today we have a very special guest on. We have Dr. Tom Crawford. So Tom is a very famous mathematician. He has his own YouTube channel, Tom Rocks Math. Absolutely crazy channel. He's appeared on a lot of other uh, math channels as well, such as Numberphile. He's graduated from uh, the University of Oxford, and he's got his PhD in applied math, I believe, at University of Cambridge. So, Tom, how are you? I'm I'm great. I'm great. It's 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 way past my. Well, I would say it's way past my bedtime. But... <laughs> oh, true. What's the time over there? It's it's currently just gone eleven at night. Ooh. So it's it's not Sorry. actually past my bedtime. I'm very much a, I'm very much a night owl. Like I think I woke up. So today I had my first meeting at eleven a.m. So I set my alarm at 5 to 11 because I went to bed at 3 a.m. So, you know. Okay, that's, that's very similar to what I did in, uh, in first year. Just wake up right before my class and then dart to, you have to. Dart to class. Yeah, no, this, this whole like remote meeting thing is perfect. Because yeah. right? it's, it's, I literally go downstairs, like grab my coffee, put like a jumper on so, I, you know, so they can't see I'm in my pajamas. And it's like, boom, good to go. That's it. That's <laughs> yeah. it. So, so where exactly are you in the world right now? I'm in Oxford, so okay. where I live and work. Okay, perfect. So I saw you were um, on vacation in South America recently. <laughs> it's good. I get this a fair bit, right? So at the moment, of course, I'm definitely not traveling. Okay. Right? So okay. in the UK, we're in lockdown, mm -hmm. which um, so I, I, I can't really like all the bars, cafes, restaurants all shut. Mm -hmm. right you can literally just go to the shop and, and i can go and teach my students and that's about all i'm allowed to do i can't even play football or soccer yeah i don't know what you call it <laughs> soccer, soccer, <laughs> but sure. i would call it football i can't yep, play yep. The, the one with the round ball uh, which i normally play a lot of and i'm really disappointed because we're not allowed to do team sports for the next month so so okay. now i'm definitely not traveling but um i was fortunate enough to do a lot I've been fortunate enough to do a lot of traveling um, in the past. And so I just have like a backlog of like cool photos or cool, like, you know, bits of maths or trivia. Okay. <laughs> so I kind of, I don't necessarily post them for where I am in the world, mm -hmm. um, but it, it catches everybody out. So you're, you're <laughs> definitely not the first and you won't be the last. Um, <laughs> for sure. Right, awesome. So um, our very first question, not really a question, but we just want um, to know about your high school experience. And kind of if you had any like good experiences with your math classes, obviously, probably. And uh, maybe what was your favorite uh, class between like maths or physics or et cetera? So, yeah. Okay. Um, so high school. So that would have been. So high school for me is well, I started when I was 11 till 18. Oh. Or 11 till 16. Oh. Is what we, we call high oh, school. Okay. So I think we are talking more like grade grade like uh, nine to 12 well for us that would be from yeah. 15 to 18 yeah okay gotcha right yeah, yeah. okay yeah. so so it, it, this whole this whole like north america versus yeah. europe oh, thing yeah, is so confusing different. i mean right? the grades because i think your grades are different so we call them years oh right so you go from okay. like year you go from year one through to year 13 okay and you finish year oh, 13 okay. when you're 18 okay. it, it's super anyway um okay so yeah um in that case so if we're thinking towards the end of my high school or school age so when you're 16 um in the uk so we do a levels um so you can leave school at 16 and then if you want to carry on studying you you go to we would call it college 
um, but and then we call what you guys call college university. Mm-hmm. But anyway, okay. so so I was going to my my local college, uh, and when you're 16, I was doing A levels, and normally you choose like three somewhere between three to five subjects. Um, so for me, it was like I was doing double maths like straight up. So I did maths and what we call further maths, oh, which is okay. just like, let's just spend twice as long doing maths, basically. Uh, so most people in the UK who go on to study maths at university will do maths and further maths. It's pretty standard to do double maths. Oh, okay. Um, and then I also did chemistry uh, and I did geography. So oh. they were like the, the only four subjects I was doing for my last two years before university. So you kind of, as you progress through, you get a, a little bit more specialized. You know, like when you're like 10, 11, you're kind of doing everything. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you do sort of, it starts to narrow down, but it really narrows down when you're 16 and you pick your A-levels. And mm-hmm. you do, as I said, three to five, depending on the, the person. Yeah, so obviously, very I loved high school experience than us for sure. <laughs> Yeah, because you guys, were you still doing a bit of everything? Because you still do a bit of everything at university though, right? Yeah. Technically, it depends because (laughs) we we have electives, so we can just pick whatever class we we feel like taking. But usually, um, I mean, first year we got quite a bit of electives. I think I had like three per semester. So I was Mm -hmm. doing like Mm -hmm. history and uh, I I can't, yeah, I was doing Spanish and history and things like that. Um, this year I have zero electives. So it's all, <laughs> it's all math and physics related courses. And te- right, technically nice. I'm doing a minor in Spanish. So technically that's not an elective, mm-hmm. but yeah. So, um, uh, why, why is this yeah. technically? Is this because you could like already just speak Spanish and it's really easy? No, like, no, what's, no. Why is it, why is it technically? No, it's, it's technically because, um, I'm doing a specialist, which is all I need to graduate. I don't actually need a minor. So if I wanted okay. to, I could complete the the minor and get the the certification for it or if i wanted to i could just not do it and still graduate so i, I like i have time to choose basically mm-hmm. so okay. cool fact actually uh before i was in canada i actually moved here when i was 14 so before that i lived in india right and mm-hmm. interestingly enough the the indian school system is very heavily based on the british school system so like yeah. a lot of things when you were saying over there, I'm like, I kind of remember some of that because it's it's actually very much based on your system. So like it, it, it's pretty cool uh-huh. to see the actual the actual thing that we are based on, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think um, that's pretty cool. So yeah, so obviously I, I mean, you know, you asked, original question was about my favorite subject or whatever. So obviously it was maths, right? Without mm-hmm. a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I guess the, the interesting thing, or at least something that people find interesting was that I did geography. That's yeah, kind of I like was actually going to ask about that one. Like, why geography? Yeah. Like, out of the so sciences or something. Yeah. So, like, it's it's sort of, it almost became self-fulfilling in the sense that, so I picked it because I just enjoyed it, mm-hmm. right? So I was like, I knew I wanted to do maths. I, that was always, it was always m- the, my favorite subject. I also did enjoy physics, for mm-hmm. sure. But, like, I think it was it was just clear since I was about, I don't know, maybe, like, 10 or 11 that just, I just really enjoyed maths. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just made most sense to me. It It was fun. It wasn't work. It was just, like, what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so there wasn't really like a competition of, or, or a need in some sense for me to like keep my options open. Cause I was like, I'm doing math. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorted. So, so like, um, so I picked chemistry cause I, I quite enjoyed it, but that's, you know, sciencey and kind yeah. of fits, I think with, with, with maths and, and physics or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just really enjoy geography. That's, like that's, just, that's I don't cool. know, like even now I really enjoy geography. Yeah. Like I literally today posted a video about glaciers cause I went on a hike with a glaciologist and basically made him he he, he did offer <laughs> give me like a series of lectures while standing on top of the glacier wow. explaining to me like what wow. we were looking at that's awesome and i just filmed the whole thing 
uh, yeah, it's, it's like, yeah. I, I think, I'm going to throw it out now. I think it might be the coolest, like, lecture on glacier, glaciology that mm. exists. Because it's just like 10 minutes of, like, a world-leading expert stood on top of what he's talking about. <laughs> and there's, like, wind, and then at one point there's, like, a storm, and then at one point we're, like, literally jumping over crevasses. <laughs> Was you know, like, this, oh, this is... Here you can see, as you can see, the, like, this process is happening or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> so... So I think, I, like, you know, so I'm still I'm still enjoying, like, that's basically geography. Obviously, we were talking about the mathematical models and the physics behind it, but, you know, glaciers and the study of them is really something you would come across mm -hmm. in geography. Mm -hmm. um, and when I said it was kind of self-fulfilling, because it turns out that the four subjects I did um, in my A-level, mm -hmm. my highest grade was in geography. I actually got four wow. marks. <laughs> wow. I didn't drop a single nice. mark in, in my entire geography A-level and got, like, sent a letter by the exam board basically saying, like, congratulations on getting the highest mark in the country in geography. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> that's that's crazy. My, mom, my mom's framed it and, like, definitely has it on the wall at home as well. Like, <laughs> that is crazy. That is crazy. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't really have, like... I just felt so bad, like, be like, should, should I tell them that I'm not doing geography? Like, <laughs> like I'm going to break some poor, like, example yeah. heart that, like, you know, I, yeah. I, even though I didn't drop a single mark in geography, I'm not actually going to do it. You probably could have gotten a nice scholarship if you had gotten and <laughs> With done yeah. geography. Potentially, yeah. but... So, um, yeah, so now that we know that you obviously evidently love math and, well, obviously geography as well, <laughs> what uh, initially got you into math? Like, we know that you love it, obviously, but what kind of inspired you or was it just one day you're like, hey, numbers are cool or something? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I don't think, like, for me, it wasn't like one day numbers are cool. Like, I, I'm not <laughs> sure that happens for anyone. Yeah. Any, <laughs> yeah, right? I'm like, like sure, it's, but... it's one of those things. It's like, it's... You, you, there might be a point where you're building up your enjoyment and, and or your love or your passion and then you kind of perhaps there's like a tipping point where you're building it up and up and up and then you hit that point and it's like it's like reaching the top of a mountain with a boulder and then you get to the top and then you just that tiny little push mm -hmm. and then you're just freewheeling and you're just away with it yeah so like mm -hmm. maybe that is a, a reasonable way of describing it in some sense but i don't think there is like you just have that one moment where you're yeah. like yes numbers <laughs> <laughs> but um but the thing i sort of um the memory that sticks in my mind the, the oldest one was when i was in year four just to confuse things which isn't grade four for you. Mm -hmm. um, so i would have been um i would have been like eight or nine. Oh, okay so okay. we were doing okay. so this, this is the oldest memory i have and we were doing um long multiplication so, you know, you're doing like 36 times 72. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and you kind of like carry the tens and you cross them out and you know, like the whole right one number above the other and then the line and that whole thing mm -hmm. um, that you get taught. And I just remember like we were, we were told how to do this and I just thought it was really cool. Um, and like we were asked to do, um, let's say, a chapter in, the, in this book and just work through all these questions. And I was having so much fun that I just kind of like just kept going. And then when I got home, I was I was like, that was really fun. I want to keep doing that. And I just sort of, without realizing it, just sat there and just did the entire book of these <laughs> no questions way. on long multiplication. <laughs> just because, not because I was like a genius or anything. Like, you know, it still took me a long time because yeah. there was a lot of questions, but it was just fun. You know, I just, I was almost like doing voluntary homework wow. just because I was having a really great time figuring out the the patterns and, and applying these, this new technique that I'd learned mm -hmm. about how to multiply two two-digit numbers together. Wow. Um, and so I think it's little things like that that sort of told me that the, the fact that it was just fun 
the, the fact that it was just enjoyable. Like, um, you know, because um, as I said, obviously I did well in geography, but like some aspects of geography were like a bit like, oh, do I have to do that? You know, if I've got to write like an essay about, I don't know, the central business district and the decline of the yeah. inner city. Like, I don't really want to do that. Like, I can do it, but I don't really want to. <laughs> Whereas, like, if I was at maths work, I was, I'd always do my maths homework first because I was like, oh, this is fun. Let's, like, this doesn't actually feel like homework, so let's do it first. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it was just that kind of feeling that I just always had, which sort of, I think, drew me into the subject. That's good. Awesome, awesome. So now, going into your undergraduate experience, um, can you tell us a little bit about like your favorite classes, most hated classes, if there were any, <laughs> any, any um, good tests that you did or maybe failed? Yeah. Stories yeah, yeah. like okay. that. Okay, all right. No, no, no. This is right. So I've got to be slightly careful about what I say here mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because so I, I always I teach. Yeah, just because I graduated from there at right? the moment, mm-hmm. and I studied this exact course right uh 12 years ago right so i started as a student in 2008 as an undergrad and was here from 2008 to 2012 doing the the four-year undergraduate masters so so the way it works in oxford you you everyone's automatically doing the four-year course when you start um and as long as you're doing well enough after your third year so you're in approximately the top two-thirds of of your year group then you're allowed to stay on and do the fourth year and, and get a master's um, and that's kind of how it works. And the fourth year is very similar to the other years. Mm-hmm. You you do a load of subjects. You write a very short dissertation, but mainly you just do a load of lectures, learn, do some problem sheets, and then do exams at the end of the year. Hmm. And that's just how it works um, every year. So um, my experience, um, well, first of all, um, the, the actual application, uh, which is very relevant at this time of year, in fact, because we're doing admissions in December. Mm-hmm. Um, so lots of people have just sat the entrance exam, which I'll be marking, and then we're going to interview people um, next month for, for to get in next year. Sorry, um, to, to see the, the cohort next year. And so that in itself was sort of a whole thing um, in the sense that um, n- as far as I'm aware, very few, if any, other people from my school had ever applied to Oxford or Cambridge. And the application system is very different to all of the other UK universities. Mm-hmm. So all of the others, it's like very centralized and you kind of, you, you write a personal statement, you submit your grades and that's kind of it. Now, some of them also do very short uh, interviews. Whereas the Oxford and Cambridge one, like you have an entrance exam that you have to sit. Um, again, a couple of others now do that, but at my time it was just Oxford and Cambridge. And you also then, if you do well in the test, then you get invited to interview, which is like a 30 minute conversation with one of the tutors, which would now mean me, um, about about maths, basically, where we would work through some problems together to see how well you're suited to that learning style. Because once you're here, like the the, the teaching I do is me with two students uh, for an hour every week, like going through problems. Mm -hmm. So it's like very personalized and you need to have that like rapport between the tutor and the students because you're kind of bouncing ideas off each other um, rather than sort of sitting in a class and just being told how to do something. It's very much like I want the ideas to come from the students Mm -hmm. and hopefully, and a lot of the time, quite fortunate, like the students will come up with new ways to answer a question that I hadn't even thought of. And then they're literally teaching me, showing (laughs) me how they thought about it. And I can obviously show them how I thought about it. And we kind of all learn from each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's like the purpose of the the interview and stuff. So, So all of that, when I was applying was like, sort of um i guess what's the word i wouldn't say overwhelming because i think i was quite like motivated and driven and knew this is what i wanted to do Mm -hmm. but it was certainly like an experience 
having to sort of go through this was not it really easier knowing what to then expect. than it is now you think or harder than than it is now Ooh, um oh, I, I don't know so I, I, application i think to every year so I, i've been here now for three years and every mm. year we've had higher and higher application numbers year on year oh. so so i'm if that trend has continued going back which i imagine it probably has mm-hmm. um then um, I guess the competition for places is perhaps more now, um, at least in terms of like full on numbers, but whether or not that affects like the quality of applicants, I think it's quite hard to tell. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, cause just having more people applying doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that more suitable people yeah, are applying mm-hmm. in, in some sense. Um, so, so then when I, um, obviously was fortunate enough to the tutors like me and, and mm-hmm. offered me a place and everything. And then, um, when I was actually studying here, so in terms of courses, um, <laughs> so this is why I said I've got to be careful what I say. Yeah. So in my first year, I really didn't like linear algebra. Oh, it was okay. like flat out, like, what is this? I don't like this. Like, I'd never seen a matrix before yeah. I went to university. So this has now changed. So in the UK, <laughs> you, you now study matrices in your further maths A-level. But when I did further maths A level, it wasn't on the syllabus. Mm-hmm. So I just turn up and like lecture one, they're just like, here's this thing called a matrix. We're going to multiply them together and do all this <laughs> stuff. And I was just sat there like, what is going on? Like, yeah. they cannot have been writing anything more alien on the board <laughs> than, than this matrix. Thing. I actually like, haven't like seen magic. matrices before getting into first year either. So it's still not on the syllabus. Or at least in North America. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's one of those where it's not that you need to have seen them. Yeah. It's just if, if your course and your school mm-hmm. knows you've not seen them, then it's fine because they're introduced gradually. Yeah, and they said, oh, they th- there's this thing. This is the row. This is a column. You know, this is how you multiply them, add them. But as I said, at the time, at least with when I did the course, it was just like, oh, you know what a matrix is. So we're mm. going to just like, you know, <laughs> calculate its rank and its nullity and all this other stuff. <laughs> and I was just so lost. Um, so like, I really I really didn't like linear algebra. Um, but the reason I'm laughing about it is I now teach linear algebra. Uh. Um, so, so I was like, if any of my students happen to listen to this, I now like linear algebra. It's great. Like, and I'm, and I'm not of even course. just saying that because I have to. I do, I do now see the value in it because it appears everywhere. Mm-hmm. It helps in like almost everything you study involves linear algebra in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I now do see the value in it. But when I was a student, I really didn't like it. And, and the worst mark I got as an undergraduate was first year linear algebra. Yeah, so personally, uh, linear algebra, I actually really enjoyed the class first Mm -hmm. year as a contrast to your experience. And then now in second year, Ray and I are doing uh, multivariable calculus. And now we're we're seeing like linear algebra come into play in our calculus class. So that's that's really interesting to to see as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I definitely, because uh, in first year, in, in the beginning, like when we were doing matrices and stuff, I was really intrigued. Like I loved linear algebra in our school like i just i just loved it i think i mean i I think i've said this before but it was one of my favorite classes in my first year Mm -hmm. so i I definitely enjoyed it and seeing the application in the multivariable calculus that we're doing now is definitely pretty important too for sure yeah yeah so uh in college i i read that you also did an experiment where uh you you basically tested where river water goes when it enters the ocean so you want to mm-hmm. like maybe talk a little bit more about that experiment because I thought that that was really interesting because I read the title and I'm just like you know I would love for him to explain it you know I mean it would be <laughs> <laughs> well so um so this is actually this is the 
alternative title to my PhD thesis. Oh. Right, so the actual okay. title to my PhD thesis, and I think, oh no, it's not on the shelf. I thought it was going to be on the shelf in front of me. I've got to try and remember this. I think the, the actual title to my PhD thesis is um, an experimental study of the input of buoyancy into a rotating environment. Oh. Something like that. <laughs> right, which just sounds like like lots of technical words yeah. and like because obviously it's aimed very much for the, mm -hmm. the fluid dynamics audience mm -hmm. and they understand what all those mm -hmm. words mean and that's the kind of thing people would Google in in doing their you know in that research area, um, but yeah the the actual what that really means is where does river water go when it enters the ocean? Yeah, <laughs> so that's like the the actual understandable title of of my research that I spent um, four years doing and then writing two hundred fifty five pages my thesis. Oh, um, wow. It's actually on wow. my website. For anyone who, who suffers from insomnia and would like something to read to help <laughs> them nod off, you can literally go to tomrocksmaths.com and on the thesis page, you can click and read all 255 pages of it. I mean, I'll some nice pictures. check it out. I, yeah, I'll appreciate it. <laughs> I do recommend the pictures. And, and maybe like the introduction is, is possibly interesting. Um, and maybe like the experimental setup because the experiments I did were cool. Mm -hmm. um, but then after that, it gets super like mathy and dense. Like, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I guess that's <laughs> I'll let you make your mind up. Point, right? So, um, so the idea then was, um, so you, uh, so you have river water. It, it's flowing in a river. It reaches the river mouth, uh, and then it enters into the ocean. And then, possibly something no one would ever have thought about until you mentioned this question to them is, well, where does that water go in the ocean? Because it's fresh water. So it's, it's obviously coming in, it has different properties to the salt water of the ocean. Um, and you can almost think of it as saying, like, if we could dye all of the river water in the world bright green or something um, safely, mm -hmm. then where would that green appear um, around the world? And what the, the, one of the key things is actually the effect of the Earth's rotation on like the very sort of first order physics of what's happening is the fact that the Earth is rotating means through the Coriolis force, which is this force that arises in rotating systems. Um, so the water's trying to go straight as it leaves the river. So it wants to just flow out straight in front of itself. But because of the Earth's rotation, which in the Northern Hemisphere, um, so the Earth's rotating anti-clockwise, so in the Northern Hemisphere, that pushes things to the right. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how the Coriolis force behaves. In the Southern Hemisphere, it pushes things to the left. Um, so there's like yeah. flip, that mm -hmm. Coriolis force flips on the... The, the actual formula is the, the Coriolis force is equal to two times the Earth's rotation rate, the, two times the Earth's rotation rate uh, multiplied by the sine of the latitude. So if you're on the equator, mm -hmm. your latitude is zero. So the Coriolis force is zero. So uh, it has no effect on the equator. But as you move into the Northern Hemisphere, positive, positive latitude, sine... It's positive, so positive means it's to the right along yeah. the positive x-axis. Southern Hemisphere, you've got a sign goes negative for negative small angles between oh, zero yeah, and ninety, yeah. and so it goes to the left along the other direction on the x-axis. Um, so that's basically that's once you know that formula, if you're a mathematician, you're like, oh, of course things go right and left when you <laughs> when you actually see the formula is just constant times sine of um, latitude. Uh, right, so we have the, the Coriolis force. So, so this is having a major effect, and, and you do see this if you look at satellite images. If you look at a river like the Amazon, which is very close to the equator, it spreads out equally in all directions. If you look at something in the northern hemisphere, 
it does turn to the right. And, and when we say turn to the right, you literally have to imagine yourself like in a boat sailing along the river. And as you get to the coast, you're making a right turn. So it doesn't matter if you're north, south, east or west, like that's irrelevant. You're sailing along your river in your boat and you're turning right. Like, you know, if you had a, I don't, I don't think boats have turn signals, but if they did, <laughs> you know, you're indicating that you're going right. And that's how you turn at the end in the northern hemisphere, southern hemisphere, same but left. Um, so that was like the first thing. This, this is all obviously known, but like that's a really key aspect of where the river was going to go. Because if you live to the right of a river mouth in the northern hemisphere, you're going to see a lot more of the river water flowing along the coast there versus if you live to the left mm -hmm. on, a, on a sort of very, very basic level. Um, so that was kind of the, the starting point. And then based on this, you can kind of begin to then look at the physics of it and say, well, so we know that rotation is really important. So what other parameters are key? Like what other variables are controlling this behavior in terms of like where the water is going to end up? So the other one is the difference between the fact that it's fresh water versus salt water. Um, so it's that density difference. Mm -hmm. So the, the density difference is going to play a role. Um, and what it's actually, it then sort of, it's a little bit more technical, but rather than the density difference, it's going to be the density difference multiplied by gravity because like gravity is what's acting mm -hmm. like the, the difference in density means that they have different weight when you multiply by gravity. I, I always get confused between weight and mass, whatever way you want to think about it, but like, you know, weight, mass, whatever it is, it, it, it will be it weight, right? with gravity. They're kind of by gravity, then yeah, weight, mm -hmm. then weight. So, yeah. Right. So yeah. it's kind of like the weight that, mm -hmm. that matters really. Um, it's encapsulated by the density difference. So, so you have that, you have like this, this density difference. Uh, we actually call it the reduced gravity mm -hmm. for whatever reason in fluids. But so we've got the reduced gravity slash density difference. We've got the rotation. And then the other key thing is going to be the amount of water leaving the river. We've got a really big river, loads of water flowing out of it versus a tiny little stream. That's obviously going to have an effect on like just the, the general like regime or the general behavior mm -hmm. of, of that water. So when you get all these parameters together, like you can then do some really cool scaling analysis um, to figure out various properties of this river current that's going to form. Um, so, so we did that. You can do um, or, or dimensional analysis, scaling analysis, depending on which um, term you use. I know it's slightly different, I think, in North America to, to here. Um, and then you can also um, write down some differential equations so, um, and solve those. And that's sort of what I do in one of the chapters as well. Um, and kind of the whole idea was we have this river current flowing along the coast um, because it turns because of the Earth's rotation. So can we understand how deep that river current is, how far out to sea is it going to stretch, and how fast is it going to move? Mm -hmm. So it was all about figuring all of those things out. Uh, and then the, the ultimate kind of motivation is once you know all of these properties about this river current, which hopefully is, is reasonably interesting um, uh, as a, just a fluids or physics yeah. problem. But then the, the sort of application is, well, 80% of pollution in the ocean comes from the land and it enters through river, the river system. Mm -hmm. So if you understand and know all this thing about the, where the river water goes and ends up, suddenly you now know where all the pollution goes and ends up. Mm. So, right, so you can then... Like ideally, we just clean the whole ocean, right? And right. that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. But of course, we're not like it's. I'm not, we're not. We don't, like you know. That's it's just actually never going to happen because mm -hmm. we have limited resources, money, time. So it's like, well, let's put those to the most effective use. Therefore, clean up these areas 
that are receiving all of this river water and therefore receiving the majority of the pollution. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of it you can't see, right? You know, like microplastics, yeah, if right. you've got chemical pollution, you don't actually know it's there. So this is kind of like, you know, you can actually use this model to be like, well, these are the areas that are most susceptible. So let's go and check and sample them. And if we find that pollution's there, then we can actually have, really have a big effect um, by, by cleaning up those particular areas. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so my next question would be, why fluid dynamics rather than any other subject? What made you pick that field? So that kind of goes back to what you were asking about earlier about like favorite courses, right? right. So we, we, I said I didn't like linear algebra, but then... <laughs> we never um, circled back but now to I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but now I do. No, um, so yeah, so in, in my second year, I got introduced to fluid dynamics. So, so in the second year in Oxford, um, you have some core courses in complex analysis, linear algebra again, um, and um, differential equations. And then the second half of the year, you, you pick some options. So you pick like five out of a list of 10 or something. And for me, the things that most appealed to me were like fluid dynamics. I did some quantum theory. I did some special relativity, electromagnetism. So, so you have all of these various courses and I picked like all the, the physics-y ones just because based on what I'd done so far, I enjoyed calculus. I enjoyed PDEs. I enjoyed like the more applied courses versus let's say analysis or linear algebra. So, so I wasn't drawn to topology or groups or anything like that. That just, at the time for me as a student, didn't appeal to me versus all of the, the physics kind of applied maths courses. Um, and just, I absolutely loved the, the second year fluid dynamics course that I did. So we did lots of stuff on incompressible flow. We looked at waves, instability of interfaces. Just, I don't know, I just absolutely, I just absolutely loved it. Like vortices, all the stuff we did was just really, really cool. Um, and I think from that, it then began to influence more and more than the options I picked in my third year, which again, were all very physics-y. And I did another couple of fluid dynamics modules. Um, I did some math biology, was thrown in there in, in third year as well, which was good fun. Um, and then again, progressing into fourth year, I picked like maths geoscience, which is basically maths slash geography. So we came <laughs> back to geography. Came, I mean, geography kind of came into my PhD as well, right? Rivers and stuff. Yeah, kind of, so I think, I think, you know, there was a reason I did geography. I don't think I realized it at the time, but it's, it has potentially influenced a lot of like my research and what I went on to study yeah. in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I think it was just, uh, as I said, the, the second year one kind of like really sold me on it. And then after that, I just did every fluids course. And the more I did, the more I enjoyed it. So then when I was thinking about what do I want to keep doing research-wise for my PhD, uh, fluids was just the obvious choice. Um, there were, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really, I obviously looked a little bit at what other stuff was out there, but like, you know, I applied to like three or four fluids-based mm-hmm. programs and mm-hmm. then ended up going to Cambridge to do exactly that. Did you ever do any quantum mechanics? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did three courses quantum mechanics, and I now teach it to my second years. Oh, okay, uh, great. <laughs> possibly, possibly my favorite course that I teach. Oh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to have a favorite course. That I teach. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I'm not allowed to tell them I didn't like linear algebra. <laughs> um, no, I absolutely love it. Like, um, so the the way it's taught here is is so cool. I'm going to do a video on this eventually awesome. when I get around to it. That's that's cool. Um, is that like we kind of set it up in really mathematically in in the context of linear algebra as always mm-hmm. um, and things called commutators mm-hmm. and once you create this setup then things like the heisenberg uncertainty principle are just like corollaries yeah. like it's it's not even like you don't have to think oh it's so weird that i can't have position and yeah. momentum at the same like because that kind of blows your mind but once you set it up in the maths like linear algebra world mm-hmm. it's like this just follows mm-hmm. 
cool. <laughs> and I really like that because it makes a result that is like the opposite of intuition. Mm-hmm. But then you sort of like, you just show it mathematically and then you're like, okay, cool. Like to me as a mathematician, if I see something mathematical, I'm like, right, it's got to be true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas I think if I was a physicist and someone told me about Heisenberg's absurdity principle, I just wouldn't believe them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because actually I think I think it was just last week or the week before when we studied uh, the 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 Heisenberg uncertainty principle and how we can see that from the from the uncertainty principle of commutators. So we actually just studied it in our quantum mechanics class. So it's oh, really right. cool. Okay. So you literally just done. So yeah. you do the, was that as like a physics course or a math course? Yeah, it's a physics course. Yeah. Okay, so you do actually talk about commutators and the algebra and stuff as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, that's it, right. Linear algebra, I think, is like the one of the biggest part of our uh, quantum mechanics course this year, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, nice. So, no, that's really cool because I always wondered whether that was just how we taught it like to the mathematicians mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. really nice to hear that the Wait, physicists so it's a math well. course in uh yeah in England? Oh. oh yeah i only what? teach i only teach mathematicians yeah, yeah no what? i only teach mathematicians oh, so quantum mechanics is a math course that yeah, is yeah. That's so, so interesting. The, the thing i probably my fault for not clarifying this so so when you go to university in the uk you only do the one subject that you sign up for when you apply Okay. So you literally apply, like, so when I applied to Oxford, I was like, I'm applying to do maths, mm-hmm. and I just do maths for four years. Like, there's no, oh, I do not do oh. a single other thing. That's interesting. That's it. Wow, that's pretty that's intense. It. I'm doing like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm doing what, how many courses do I do a term? Five. You're doing somewhere between 10 to 12 courses per year, math courses over four years. You're hitting like 40 to 50. Wow, maybe 40, maybe over four years, you probably do about 40 math courses. Wow, you gotta that's be sure of what you, you want to do. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah it's it's but like but there's there's obviously pros and cons so the the i guess the con like you just said is you've got to know what you want to do it's quite tricky when you're like 18 and making these decisions Mm -hmm. um but also like the advantage is you really do get to pick which area of maths you like so for me Mm -hmm. i was able to do like six or seven fluids modules like over the the degree so like you know by the time i was starting my phd in fluids so fluids was yeah also yeah math. yeah the whole literally oh. everything I've mentioned that they're all math courses. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so no. interesting. That's so interesting. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you didn't cover anything like the like the hydrogen atom because that would be mostly. No, physics, we did. We right? did the full the full derivation of solving Schrodinger's equation in in three D spherical <laughs> polar coordinates <laughs> for the hydrogen atom. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's crazy. That. That's crazy. It's that is some intense math. Yeah, like like sounds... when you like the the the, the Plassian in three D spherical polars is ridiculous, <laughs> and can... we full on went through and solved that whole thing, and and got the answer. And it's so nice as well because it it tells you what the Bohr radius is. And like I just yeah. love stuff like that when mm-hmm. you do the maths and then you're like I now see exactly why this number that seems to be plucked out of nowhere has to be that because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's like a combination of all of the other constants and it's just i love it mm-hmm. well that's that's crazy <laughs> yeah so, i mean that was surprising yeah. to hear <laughs> yeah that definitely was because i was expecting all the fluids thing that you were saying was physics because over yeah. here i think every single fluids course is a physics course and i didn't even mm-hmm. know that it could be a math course like that's so mm-hmm. so you definitely um i've had got have got friends um who were doing engineering um who did fluid dynamics mm-hmm. and also i know physicists who do fluid dynamics oh so so they they are they, there are courses in it as well but obviously they're taught slightly differently just like you do quantum in physics and you do quantum in chemistry you're just taught them all in different ways like um so that's mm-hmm. why i was a little bit surprised when i mentioned commutators because i just i just assumed that was the maths way of teaching 
have teaching oh, no. quantum mechanics, but yeah. So I think um, like it it can't be that different, right? Like the course that we're taking to the course that you took, because basically. Yeah, yeah. It is all math. Like we're, we're uh, presented, <laughs> we're the presented the with the concept, and then we just look at the math behind it to, and then work work through mm -hmm. problems. So, mm -hmm. I think one one of the things, at least talking to so so one of my best mates in chemistry, and I remember he got really excited when I started doing quantum because it was his favorite part of his chemistry course mm -hmm. when we were undergrads together, and I remember chatting to him, and he was saying like the way it was presented to them are like you have this thing called the Schrodinger equation um, and, you know, this is like what it tells you the solutions are. Mm -hmm. They didn't necessarily have to go through and solve those partial differential equations. Okay. It was just, you had to have a knowledge of like what, you know, for example, the, the, the harmonic oscillator gives you a sine function or whatever. Like you needed to have knowledge of that, but like you, were never, you would never actually have to sit down and actually solve the, the PDE, mm -hmm. at least for him as a chemist. Oh, okay. um, so I guess, yeah, but obviously it, it sounds like, yeah. I mean, obviously you do you do need a lot of, maths to do physics for sure so. for sure That's it's right. basically on it <laughs> so um transitioning <laughs> i heard that last year uh this was crazy so i have to hear this from you as well you presented some research to the british parliament right as part of some stem <laughs> yeah. for britain program and yeah. i and and I, that just baffled me when I read it. I'm just that that's crazy. So would you would you want to maybe like it's, talk about how it went, what what it was on? Yeah, yeah, no. Um it, it's a really cool it's a really cool initiative. So it's like a competition mm -hmm. uh for for young researchers and the idea is just um you submit um like a poster. Um so so at first it's it's obviously you don't actually submit the physical poster. <laughs> you submit a PDF of your poster um to the judges and then they picked think it was maybe like 20 i think perhaps that would then um you were then invited to actually go to the houses of parliament mm -hmm. and then all of the mps um had like an hour in their schedule all the ones who signed up there were a lot of them there to be fair um in their schedule where they'd come in and they'd literally have a wander around the poster hall with the idea being that they'd come over and you know and have a quick glance at your poster and then you could obviously explain to them like the research you were doing as somebody working at a university in the UK. Mm. Um, so it was really cool. You know, I, I got to chat to like, I'd say over 10 different people, like, you know, having a solid, like at least five to 10 minute conversation where I got to explain wow. my research about the oceans and pollution wow. and everything. Um, so yeah, no, it was really nice actually. Wow, just that's, getting that's to, amazing. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't know how much effect it will have or, mm -hmm. or you know, or whether any of these, um, have resulted in like policy but i think it's just nice that that such a arena exists for researchers like to actually be able to talk directly with politicians mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just cool that that is that is a thing yeah, yeah for, I agree. I agree. Um, for sure right and, and so that's why i was like quite keen to take part and then you know and as i said i enjoyed all of my conversations that i had with them they all seemed quite interested you know and like genuinely like were like oh that's that's really cool tell me more like and, and various things so yeah no it was a really fun experience actually and i think it's a really cool um, initiative and competition that exists yeah. awesome yeah so this next question um i've cool. come to enjoy proofs a lot in my in my calculus course you know i was i was traumatized initially because i've never seen like like set theory or logic or anything like that we had a brief introduction in the beginning of our calculus course and then we were just thrown into epsilon delta proofs and all that so <laughs> yeah. my question for you is do you think 
like schools high schools should have a like an introduction to logic and proofs as as like a unit in the maths course Ooh, um i can see both sides of the argument uh right so it's like obviously it would be helpful just like it would have been helpful for me to have seen matrices before yeah mm-hmm. um so so in that sense you're then don't feel like you're coming at it completely cold when when you're first introduced to it but at the same time i think what was different compared to my experience with matrices is nobody is expected to have come across this like and that's even true in the uk right like we the you know we're currently in the first term of, of the academic year and like most of this term when i'm talking to my first year students is just trying to help them get their heads around epsilons and deltas mm-hmm. like because because mm-hmm. it's just so alien and right. it's all and it, and it's definitely like the toughest term I think that most students have when doing maths at university is that first analysis course. Definitely. Because it's just all just so alien and so unfamiliar. So, so in that sense, you think, well, maybe it would be good to, to give them a bit of an intro earlier, but then again, mm-hmm. it's such an abstract concept mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I think that to me is one of the main differences between university level and the stuff you do at high school is that everything at high school the majority of stuff at high school is based in some kind of reality mm-hmm. or some kind of intuition. Yeah. yeah. But then once you start talking about epsilons and deltas <laughs> and, and things and convergence, and it just gets to, you, you can eventually, once you've got your head around it, I think it's one of those things where it takes ages. And once you get your head around it, it makes complete sense because you right. can then, at least for me, you know, I'm literally picturing like, well, if someone tells me I've got to be within epsilon of the point on this graph, yeah. then I've just clearly got to create a really small <laughs> interval. Let's call it delta. And yeah. it, then it sort of makes sense. Mm-hmm. But like, it takes so long to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, so I can see the benefit of being in, being introduced earlier. But at the same time, I think it is very abstract. Mm-hmm. And it's there's already like a lot of stuff that, people tend to struggle with and find too abstract mm-hmm. at high school yeah, anyway yeah I, I do have an argument for why there should be like a logic unit is because we don't necessarily have to make it all about the math right like i think it would be super helpful and also really like not out of the reach of high school students to learn about like sentential logic and connectors and quantifiers and things like that and that would provide like a nice Mm -hmm. base to then go into like an elementary analysis course Mm -hmm. yeah no no no. i I think yeah i think you're probably right i think the epsilon delta stuff is maybe too abstract um i think the epsilon delta stuff is maybe too abstract but like yes if you could even if it was just something as simple as like implications so that's something as well that, that i see with first year students where they say like if this then this or like and or yeah. just like it's almost like logic gates and i think it, it's yeah. considering as as we're now seeing more and more like coding as well and programming is taught in one way or another through high school mm-hmm. it would be really nice to tie in the mm-hmm. the logic of that even if it is just like if and or those kinds of statements mm-hmm. i think there's yeah as you say because does that doesn't have to be presented as maths yeah it, exactly. it can literally be like yeah um you know it could be like if Tom Brady was still at the Patriots, then they wouldn't be doing so badly. <laughs> for example, yeah, I don't know if that's don't know if you guys follow the NFL, but anyway, <laughs> that just weirdly popped into my head because we were talking for the people that do. Yeah, so I actually, I over the summer I read this book called How to Prove It by uh, Doctor Development, and I actually have it right behind me. But the point is, the first unit 
of that well the point of the entire book is to learn how to prove things and the very first unit is all words there's just no math it's just going through sentences and really dissecting what it means you know the the and the Mm -hmm. or the if then the if and only if really dissecting all that and getting the logic down and then they present Mm -hmm. the like very easy math and going through examples like that but i thought that was very very helpful and Mm -hmm. looking back at like my epsilon deltas in first year, I really think that would have been a breeze had <laughs> I read that book <laughs> one year right, earlier. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so I think we can uh, do the last question uh, of the podcast today. And this is this is uh, something I've been wondering. Um, how did you start off as the naked mathematician? Like, how did that, how did that, <laughs> I was waiting. I was like, I literally think we've got, I was like, how have we gone this long? And they've yeah, not mentioned I, I, I needed to save it for last. I needed to save it for last. So like, how, um, how, I, I really want to know. All right. So there are many, many things that led to this, right? Mm-hmm. So I think one of them is, um, I, so I decided, okay. So when I, uh, during my PhD, during my PhD, I, was um, fortunate enough to get a work placement, like an eight-week um, internship, uh, working for the BBC. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was helping them produce a science radio program, um, which was called The Naked Scientists. And the idea of, of Naked Science was that we were stripping back scientific research in a way to make it understandable to the general public. Because this was broadcast nationally, you know, to whoever listens to the radio at 8am on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. like okay. so it's not it's just so it was very much going out to the general public but the idea was we would be taking research published that week that was of interest to the world and then explaining it and doing interviews with those scientists to make it understandable mm-hmm. um and I absolutely loved it so so that was kind of I, I got that <clears throat> as I said I had that experience it was great fortunately they also loved me so I was able to, to, we kind of agreed that when I finished my PhD a year later, I'd go and work for them. Um, so I was working at the BBC with this Naked Science um, show. And so obviously the name is suggesting that they're like stripping back to the basics mm-hmm. idea. And but obviously when we were like contacting guests and, and based on, you know, like social media comments and things, there was obviously like a a bit of... I don't think innuendo is the right word, but there's kind of like a bit of mystery there. Like, because we're doing radio, it's like, are they actually doing this in the news? Right? Like, you know, and like people would make a joke. If you invite a guest, they'd be like, sure, I'm up for it, but like, I don't have to turn up naked, do I? And, you know, like, obviously they weren't, they knew they weren't, but it was just like such an obvious joke and such obvious association because it was radio. Mm-hmm. But so I sort of felt that we, we should have had more fun with this because like, I don't know, just maybe it's just the way I am. <laughs> but I was like, we should be having more fun with this. Like, we should drop in little remarks that, that sort of hint that maybe we are. Just just have a bit of fun with it um, and whatever. Uh, but they they seemed, I guess, sort of BBC and all that. They were like, no, we're all right as we are. We're good. <laughs> so anyway, so I was like, right, okay. So that, I think that kind of put the idea in my head about, like, you could have a bit more fun with this context mm-hmm. about this, like, naked stripping back, etc. And then... I think that really sold it for me was um, so I ended up leaving that job basically because um, I realized I was like, I'm making radio and podcasts and I'll be honest, I don't consume 
media through radio or podcasts. Like I am very much a video person. Like I go to YouTube and I watch YouTube videos, mm-hmm. right? So I was like, and especially for maths as well, when you're trying to actually explain maths research, so difficult mm-hmm. on, on a radio program. So, so I felt that I wanted to transition to video and wanted to, um, you know, enter that sphere, shall we say. Um, and then, so I did a little bit of like, I don't think market research is the correct, too strong of a term, like a survey amongst like friends and family and various people about like who, who said they didn't like maths. So I was trying to get a bit more of a feel because I've never had that. So I was like, right, so I'm trying to appeal to people who don't necessarily like maths and wouldn't look for maths content. So how do I drag them in and get them to potentially, without realizing it, like learn a little bit of maths and then hopefully they have a positive experience to try to overcome some of the negative experiences maybe they've had in the past Mm. or are having now. You know, like that's kind of almost like sneaking the maths in without them realizing. And um, one of the things that came back, which really surprised me, was that lots of people think maths is really serious as a subject. And it, it now does make sense to me, but at the time I was like, I'd never thought about that, but now I kind of get it because there's a load of rules that you've got to follow. And if, and it's all logical and one step leads to the next. And you know, you're a lot of the time you're kind of following almost like one path because there's one correct answer. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of has that like almost like strict, like authoritarian kind of vibe <laughs> to it. If, if you, you know, see it in that way, it, it makes sense to see it in that way. Though I'd never seen it that way myself. I enjoy the fact that there's one correct answer because then you're like, the feeling when you get it is just the best. Yeah, then you're on an adventure to <laughs> yeah. reach the, the yeah, final destination. Exactly. Yes, you guys know. <laughs> you, we, all, we, all know we all know how it feels. Yeah. Um, so it's like, so so I was just then sort of tied in with the the naked scientist thing and then me thinking, well, how do I make what I'm doing? How can people, what can I do so that people can't possibly think this is serious? <laughs> and then it was like, I'm just going to do it in my pants, right? Like, how can anybody take me serious if I'm, like, stood, you know, in my, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle underwear, like, just talking about talking about Navier-Stokes equations? Like, you know? Like, it's just... I just felt like it was fun. It was creative. It was something new. It, it almost, as well, has a little bit of that, like, shock value. Like, if it pops up on your YouTube feed, you're going to be like, no way is that dude talking about maths with no clothes on, like, click. Yeah. And then hopefully without realizing it, suddenly you've watched five minutes and again, without realizing it, you've learned a little bit of maths. Yeah, or even if you don't idea. learn any maths, you you now have like, a, hopefully a positive or at least some other experience that isn't, I hated this at school. Mm-hmm. For sure. So it's it was, so those, it was kind of all those things coming together. And then I guess I'm just enough of an idiot that I just didn't really care about it. Because I remember some of my colleagues were like, are you sure you want to put like videos of yourself <laughs> you know this this level of um this lacking in clothing on the internet and it's like, I don't really like i'm you know it's meant to be funny it's meant to you know it, it's trying to be a bit creative and try and show and entice more people into the subject right. um, so that's kind of how it came about and then now now it's great because um i have loads of maths tattoos so i've got eight yeah. <laughs> um, maths themed tattoos so now it's really cool because when I, I actually do talks as the naked mathematician at like universities, um, <laughs> like student societies and various other things. So you should get me to Toronto actually when when the um, we when that. we're actually allowed to travel again. That <laughs> would be, sure. I'd be so yeah. up for that. I love Canada. That would be um, amazing. Yeah. So um, so I and, and like it's great now because when I do the talk, I just like basically explain the maths of all of my tattoos as well. <laughs> so like it now like, has another 
thing. Like, mm. I didn't, I, I genuinely obviously didn't get the tattoos as part of my act. Like, that would be a little bit too committed yeah. to the act. <laughs> but, you know, I got the tattoos because I like tattoos and math is a big part of my life. So, to me, it makes sense for me to have mathematical tattoos. Yeah. But now it fits in really well with the naked maths thing because I can literally, I do a talk about the maths of my tattoos where I just explain five or six of them. Um, you know, whilst also showing them. Mm-hmm. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's again, it's just about trying to be a bit more creative and a bit more original to try and entice people in. Because obviously the traditional methods for those people haven't worked. So it's like, well, what else can we do? What else can we try to try and get more people to, to see what we see mm-hmm. in, in this subject? Definitely. Yeah. Well, Tom, we are reaching the end of our podcast, unfortunately. We did have a lot more questions. Yeah, we actually did. <laughs> so... It would be awesome to have you on later for another episode. And um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on today. It was a pleasure having you. Yeah, it's been thank great. you. And, and I'd, I'd genuinely be happy to come on again. That's That would be, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, definitely, uh, we'll definitely be in contact. Yep. So for anybody listening, Tom Rocks Math on YouTube yep. and uh, check out his website with for the, the thesis. He mentioned earlier. Yeah, just tomrocksmath.com, yeah. right? Yeah. That awesome. is the one. Yes. Okay. Well, Tom Rocks Maths. Maths. It's, there's Math. always an S, right? True, I'm, true, it's, true. It's... <laughs> Tom... I think if you search Tom Rocks Math, it should still come up. Okay. But, Would it? but it is oh, yeah. math with an S. Okay. Math with the S. It wouldn't on the website, right? The website is definitely tomrocksmaths.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. But, but yeah, I think right. if you Google knows. search Tom Rocks Math, I think it should should hopefully still find me. I think All that's right. niche enough. All yeah. right. Do not forget the S. So Do not forget the S. Yeah, everybody that's <laughs> listening uh, right now, thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure to follow us on Spotify or anywhere else you might be listening to this. Um, yeah, this has been an awesome episode with Tom Crawford. Um, yeah. Episode 35, anything else I need to mention? Nope. Uh, Instagram okay. math.physics.podcast uh, if you want to email us any suggestions for a history of physics maybe any uh, people you guys want that that can be on uft.math.physics at gmail.com alright so, yeah. so uh, this has been uh, the math and physics podcast I'm your host Parker and I'm Ray and we will see you soon <laughs>